When I was younger, I used to have a great fear of heights. Like, you, you may not know this about me. I used, to, I used to hate heights. It was like a terrible, terrible thing. I think it was genetic because my dad is afraid of heights. And I, I remember we'd go up in a gondola that would go to the top of Sulphur Mountain in Banff, and my dad um, would have to do everything within his strength to keep from, like, getting lower and lower. It's so funny. The higher my dad goes, the lower, closer to the ground he gets because he's just like, dude, I am so not ready for heights. There's a psalm. It says this in Psalm 1833 because I think this is great because I believe that God is calling each of us to higher heights. And I know the moment I start talking about it, some people are going to get a little bit of like, oh my goodness, what is up? I want you to understand that God has great things in store for us. And when he calls us to a height, he's the one who enables us to do it. Psalm 1833 says this, He enables my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to stand on the heights. And I love that because no matter what challenge God gives us, he's the one who enables us to go to higher places. So today we are beginning our 50-day challenge as a church, how many are excited about it? Okay, you're not, you're not sounding excited. You're like, uh-oh. What have I gotten myself into? So at Asbury Church here, every fall, we take 50 days to focus our hearts together and, and really seek to say, okay, God, we want to grow. We want to move in the direction that you're calling us to. And today we are going to begin our 50-day challenge, which is simply called the Rise uh, to the Challenge. Um, it is about saying yes to Jesus to help us live lives that honor him and reflect his purpose. It's about developing, now I'm going to use a really crazy word in church. I'm you ready for a crazy word in church. It's about developing disciplines that reflect our yes to Jesus. Can I get some excitement on the word Discipline. That was actually pretty good for discipline, like discipline. How many of you, you like, you hated that word discipline? Now, I, I so I won't go into all my stories, but yeah, I'll, I'm not even going to touch that one. I'll just leave that one alone. I used my filter, folks. This is a good thing. But I want you to understand that, that God calls us to live lives of following him in a disciplined way. Have you ever noticed that the word discipline and disciple have the same root? That if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, there's an aspect where we begin to discipline our lives so that our lives reflect our yes to Jesus. Now, I want you to understand something about disciplines as we work through them, because in this season of challenge that we're going to go through, you are going to be challenged on a whole bunch of disciplines. And I just want to say at the outset something about disciplines. Disciplines put us in a place to encounter God. The reason they're so important is because what the discipline does is it puts us in the place to encounter Jesus. And so we're going to embark on a season of stretching. And, and, and we're going we're to say, okay, God, help me get to the heights. Now, have you ever read about climbing Mount Everest? So Mount Everest is about 29,000 feet above sea level. Just to give you a sense of uh, proportion, I think Lansing is somewhere around 1,000 square, uh, square feet. 1,000 feet above sea level. Am I right, Wayne? What, what is it? Wayne's a pilot. Some of it's 800. Okay, so Wayne's a pilot, so he knows about elevations, but we are 800, you know, feet above sea level. How many know that living and breathing at 29,000 feet above sea level is not what we're used to? Can I get a witness on that? They're like, uh, wait. Did you know that when you climb Mount Everest, you may summit once, but you actually climb the mountain many times? So the way it works is this, is you start at the base camp, and then what they do is they have you go up to a next, the next camp, and then they have you come back down. And then they'll send you up again and bring you back down. And they're doing that because you have to get acclimated for the heights. If you just start here and you jump all the way up there, it's... It's not going to be pretty. 
And so they go a little bit. I had the opportunity a number of years ago to go to Big Sky, Montana, and Big Sky has a ski resort, and I got to ski there. And there's a gondola that takes you to the summit of the, the peak of the, the ski place, and it is 11,000 feet above sea level, 11,000. And I remember because I went up it when I was dehydrated, and I want you to know when I got to that height, I was so not ready for it. My head started screaming, man, like just, oh, the pressure on the, it was just awful. I'm like, okay, we're just, we took the gondola back down. I'm like, okay. And it took a while because when you go from here to here, there's an adjustment that takes place. And I want you to know that as we move to the heights that God is calling us, there, there, there's some discipline. There, there's a journey. It's not just about, okay, we're going to start here and then end up here. It's a walk and it is a life that we embrace, a, a discipline in order that we might live in the place that God has called us to. And so my big idea today that we're going to think around is this, is that Jesus challenges his followers to journey to the next level. Jesus is challenging his followers. Are you a follower of Jesus today? If so, he is challenging you to journey to the next level. So as we begin this 50 days, we're going to start in Mark chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 27 through 38, and we're going to think about um, some important ideas about getting to the next level. Okay, y'all ready for this? Just so you're going to, like, if you've, if you've got pen and paper, this is good stuff to write down or take notes and all these things. But I want to tell you where we are in Jesus' ministry. So as Mark begins, as continues to write the story of Jesus in Mark chapter 8, Jesus' ministry has grown and his influence is continuing to spread. And, and, and he is with his disciples and there's, there's a sense of excitement that the disciples have because they understand that, you know what, something big is happening with Jesus. Like people were coming from all over. There, there were the crowds. It was like, it was as if popular opinion had shifted and, and, and there was this like groundswell of hope that was rising. They had watched sick people be made well and lame people walking. Not only that, they had the privilege of enjoying like food together because he was multiplying loaves and fishes. And the disciples are like, this is amazing. We are on the rocket ride to the top. But in Mark chapter 8, there's a pivot. And this pivot is also seen in the Gospel of Matthew. It's also seen in the Gospel of Luke. That at this point, there's a pivot that takes place. And it goes from the, the, the celebration to the sacrifice. As we look at this, I think this is so important because sometimes when it comes to faith, we love the celebration. But we're not always ready for the sacrifice. Now, if we're going to get to the next level, there's three things we need to understand, three important ideas. The first is this. Understanding who Jesus is is necessary to get to the next level. Understanding who Jesus is is necessary. Everybody say necessary. necessary. This means if you're going to get there, you need to understand this. Who is Jesus? So this is the way the story starts. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. Now just so you know, Caesarea Philippi is going to be the northernest point in the geography that Jesus is going to travel with his ministry um, while he was with his disciples. And it says this, and on the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Christ. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Who is Jesus? This is ultimately the foundational question for following him. Who do people say Jesus is? 
See, in your life, up to this point in your journey, you, you have heard about who Jesus is. Some of you, you grew up in church and Sunday school, and you, you've heard the stories, and you know the stories of who Jesus is. You've heard what's been told about him. You've heard about his miracles, his messages, his healings. Jesus asked his followers, who do, you, who do the people say I am? And I want you to know that you can begin to pull culture and you can pull the people all around you and ask them, who do you think Jesus is? And you will hear all sorts of things. Some people will say, Jesus is just an imaginary figure. Some people will say Jesus was a man who's, who, who was a real man, but the, but the image of him or the story of him grew beyond, and he is, in a sense, a, a legendary figure. Others will say, well, he's a prophet, or he's a, he's, he's a, he's a good man, a good teacher, a, a good example. Yet Jesus narrows the focus, because it's not just about who other people say he is. It ultimately comes down to who is Jesus to us. See, if you're ever going to grow to the next level, you need to settle for yourself who is Jesus. Is he just a man? Is this just a book about stories? Or is Jesus God who has taken humanity upon himself, who stepped into time and space in order to give his life to rescue and redeem a broken world? Do we acknowledge like Peter that he is the Messiah, the one that we have been hoping for, the one who can make everything right? Whether it's in our hearts or in our families, whether it's in our community and in our world, do we believe that Jesus is the hope? Until we clarify for ourselves who he is, we will not find the courage and the determination to get to the next level. Who is Jesus? You see, understanding who Jesus is is necessary to get to the next level. But not only that, we need to understand that the next level will stretch us and challenge us. So after Jesus asked the question, who do the people say I am? And then who do you say I am? Peter gets the answer right, and, and if you read Matthew's account, Jesus will say, this has been revealed to you by God. God has, his spirit's been moving, and he has made, it, made that idea, that truth, alive to you, and you know it because the Father has brought you in on what he's doing. He's made them known to us. And at that point, Jesus ships everything. And it says this, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. After they acknowledge who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, Jesus let them in. On what the strategy is. I want you to understand that our revelation of Jesus is to prepare us for the mission of Jesus. And this is part of what this whole series is, this, this whole challenge. It's to follow Jesus and ultimately to serve his purpose. And he began to speak plainly about the purposes of God. And the path that he highlights is not one of ease or convenience. Now, this is just me. I'm going to share some opinions. I think that in the church, in America, in the West, we have actually embraced an easy Christianity. 
a Christianity without cost. Where much of following Jesus is about making our life's life easier. You see, we like to show up without serving. We like to worship without working. We like to listen without living. We like discipleship without discipline. We want success without sacrifice. We want blessing without brokenness. And that is not what Jesus called his followers to. He says, guys, I want you to understand this is the path to restoration. This is the path to life. This is the path to, to see everything change where you're going to get to the next level. It's not always going to move the way you want, the way you think, the way that's convenient, the way that's easy, the way that, that, that makes you comfortable. And so he begins to talk about suffering, rejection, and death. Suffering, rejection, and death. For Peter, this was too much. As Jesus began to say, listen, what's going to happen in just a little bit? These people were the, that are cheering in this moment understand the fickleness of crowds. They are going to turn. I will be crucified. I will be rejected. I will die. Yet I will rise again. And Peter says, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. And what's interesting is the word that, that is used is that it says that Peter rebuked Jesus. And the word that is used there for rebuked is the same word that Jesus would use when he would address the demons. When someone would be manifesting a demon, it says Jesus rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And this is Peter saying, you know what, that spirit is not of God. Imagine the hubris of telling God that his plan is not of God. But that's where Peter was. In one moment, Peter is being praised because he recognizes who Jesus is. Yet in the next moment, he is rebuked by Jesus. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Which causes me to ask the question, have we embraced, as followers of Jesus, have we embraced the concerns of God? Or are we simply focused on human concerns? I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed life is filled with concerns? There's just so you know, for me, there's lots of things that concern me. Like, the price of gas concerns me, right? The fact that the leaves are changing colors, and I know snow is coming, yeah, that concerns me. The well-being of my kids, that concerns me. Um, my friends, my family, my church, boy, those things concern me. Sometimes we allow our concerns to be the thing that leads our lives. Sometimes our concerns don't always align with God's concerns. And if we are going to live at the next level, we need to be allowed, we need to be willing to allow ourselves to be stretched and challenged, to surrender sometimes our concerns for his concerns. Now, just so you know, many of the things that concern us are not bad in and of themselves. The problem is that sometimes we elevate them above God's concerns. Getting to the next level, we need to understand who Jesus is. It's a necessary thing. But not only that, we need to say, okay, in following you, I need to recognize that what Jesus is calling us to is not necessarily comfortable 
or easy. The third thing I want to note is the next level requires Jesus being our first yes. You see, being a follower of Jesus is really about making Jesus our first yes. We are saying yes to Jesus. When it comes to the way I live my life, it's about saying yes to Jesus. It's the way I I live my life as a husband, as a father, as a person in the community. It's about giving Jesus my first yes. After he rebukes Peter, Mark records in verse 4, 34, it says, then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. It's an amazing passage. And just so you know, the outline of this passage is the same in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus asks, who do people say I am? What about you? Who do you say that I am? Now I'm going to let you in on the purposes of God. The purposes of God are suffering, rejection, and death. But through those things, life will come. And then he says this, if anybody would come after me, If anyone would be my follower, they need to do three things. And this is the challenge of being a follower of Jesus. They must deny themselves. That means I'm no longer first. That life is bigger than just me. It's bigger than my purposes, my wants, my way. You see, we have a tendency as humans to put ourselves before God. The way we order our days, the way we, we go about, and, and, and again, the, 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 the Christianity that, that is many times promoted in and through the church is, is, a, is a Christianity without cost, without sacrifice, without difficulty. Yet Jesus says, whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves. I find it quite interesting that every breath that we take is a gift from God. How many know that to be true? Take that breath in right now. Let it out. That's a gift of God. It nourishes us, doesn't it? Yet many times we take the gift that God has given us and we use it for our own ends. We use the breath that has given us in order to to build our own lives. And it raises the question, what are we trying to save? See, Jesus said that, that, you know, whoever would be my follower, that that these are people that whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You see, sometimes in life that we, when we get what we want, it doesn't get us what we want. And not only that, it doesn't always make us good people. How many of you have kids? How many know if you let your kids make every decision about what they want, they are not going to be healthy kids, and your life is going to be miserable? Can I get a witness? Did you know that every one of us has a little kid inside of us? And we sometimes think that if I can just get my way, then I'll get what I want. I will find life in my way. And Jesus says, listen, you pursue that, and instead of finding life, instead of gaining it, you're going to lose your life. 
We watch people as they continue to lean into the, the things the world offers and instead of finding life, continue to find misery. And even when you give them what they want, it doesn't get them what they want. You see, what are you trying to save? Maybe you're trying to save your reputation. Maybe you're trying to save your dreams, your desires. Yet Jesus says, whoever would follow me, they must deny themselves. You see, it's ourselves that get in the way of what God wants to do. You know, it's so much easier to say the fault is outside of me than in me. How many know that to be true? How many know if you get a good spouse, you'll have a great marriage? Right? Can I get a witness? Yeah, somebody, all, all the guys are like, yeah, uh, it's, it's really funny is watching the guys look at their wives like, what am I supposed to do? I know this is a trick question, right? But how many know if you, you want a good marriage, it's not about finding the right spouse, it's about being the right spouse? I'm just saying. How many know if you, if you want a great family, it's not about having the right kind of kids, it's about being the right kind of parent? Y'all with me on this one? And the truth is, is sometimes it's our own self that gets in the way of what God wants to do in and through our lives. Listen, I believe that God wants to bring restoration, redemption. He wants to bring life to every area of our life, even in the areas where we struggle and we feel there's no hope. Listen, we serve a God who rose from the dead. And he's able to save to the uttermost so that nothing in our life is wasted. The problem, though, is that our flesh, our self, is demanding and undisciplined. And we're more concerned sometimes about feeling good than doing good. And I think this has affected the church, and so we have sloppy Christians who don't discipline themselves. And just heads up, I'm in the category too. You see, the Holy Spirit has been given to us to empower us to live a life which produces the fruit necessary to accomplish the will of God. And you know what one of the fruits of the Spirit is? Like the last one that's listed? Self-control. That the Spirit helps us manage ourselves so that we don't have to be wrecked by ourselves. How many know we need that? I don't know about you, but I have a great capacity to blow things up. Literally and figuratively. So Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. Take up your cross. So yesterday we're doing sand art. I got fun stories about the sand art. It was fun. We're doing sand art yesterday. And... Um, we put out our plethora of all the little things we have, little canisters, and the kids fill them with colored sand, and they wear them as trinkets around their neck and run around. And what was funny, Rachel comes up to me and is just like, hey, you know what's funny? She goes, is how fast the crosses are going and why. And I'm like, really? And so one of the kids, it was so great, you know why he wanted a, a, a cross? To ward off the evil in his brother. It was, it was so awesome. Get back. Get back. And I'm like killing myself laughing. I'm like, yeah, that's the cross we need right there. You know, like, um, I thought that was great, you know. But, but how many know sometimes that's how we deal with the cross, isn't it? What we use the cross to keep the evil at bay. Right? Like, I got junk in my life. Well, I, 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 need, a, I need to get, you know, I need Jesus. So, so another funny, I went to, I had to go to the doctor this past week, and I don't know about you, but I hate going to the doctor. Any, anybody here empathize? I hate going to the doctor, but I'm 50 years old, and I need to start becoming responsible, and so I, <laughs> and so I need to take care of me, okay? Like, true story, people, and, uh, and I, and, I just, and I just like, oh, my insides is total turmoil, right? And, and I go and I see the doctor, and the doctor's like, hey, it's, it's 
it's nice to meet you, you know, all these different things. And I said, and, and he said something along the line, you know, it's great to meet you, it's just too bad it's under these circumstances kind of thing. You know, you're at the doctor, you know, you're like, yeah. I'm sure you're a great person, but you're a doctor, right? But he says, I said, you know what? I know what it's like. I said, I'm a pastor, and I know what it's like to have people to come to church, and they're like, the only reason I'm here is because something is wrong, and I need something done. He's, and he's laughing. He's like, yeah, no kidding. And uh, it, was, it was just pretty entertaining. Um, but, 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 I, but I think about this, that sometimes we think the cross is just something that's it's all about something that's going to hold something at bay or rescue something. Yet Jesus says, what I want you to do is I want you to take up your cross and follow me. Now, the time of Jesus, the, the Jewish people did not, they were a people, but they were a subjugated people. They, they were a people who were under the authority of Rome. And as non-citizens of that kingdom, they were subject to crucifixion. So if, if you were a Roman citizen, they wouldn't crucify you because it was such a horrendous death. They're like, going, we won't do it to our own people. But if you're not one of our citizens, we will do it for you, right? And, um, and so that's what they did. And a part of the, the, the humiliation of crucifixion Besides the fact that when they crucified you, you'd be crucified naked. What they would also do is they would take the cross beam and they would place it upon you and make you carry your own, your, your own cross. Like this is how you're going to die. You are but a subject to something bigger than you. And I find it interesting that Jesus says, listen, if you're my follower, take up your cross. Allow your life to be lived under, author under an authority that is greater than you. Now, the Roman Empire will crucify you for a terrible end, but God's purpose is to bring life. And so God, by His grace, even redeemed the most cruel and awful mode of execution so that even in 21st century America you find people wearing jewelry with a cross on them because the shame and the degradation of the cross has been changed by the transformation of Jesus and there's a part that if we're going to follow him it's about denying ourselves taking up our cross and following him. This idea of following him, again, is learning to say yes to Jesus. It's about walking with him. It's about walking like him. It's the recognition that our Savior is alive, and he still calls and challenges men and women to follow him. That no matter where we are in our journey, we have a Savior who walks with us in the midst of the best days, in the midst of the worst days. We have a Savior who is with us, and he says, would you follow me even in the midst of the difficulty because I will bring you to life. You may think that my path is death, but understand when you get to the end of it, I will bring beauty and goodness out of it. You have to trust me. So we have to learn to walk with Jesus, but not only walk with him, but walk like him. Where our lives begin to reflect his life. The Apostle John would write the church in 1 John chapter 2, and it says, this is how we know we are in him. This is how we know we have that life-giving relationship with Christ. This is how we know we're his followers. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Live like Jesus. How do you know you're in Jesus? You begin to live like Jesus. You begin to reflect through your life who he is. I, I was reading this past week, um, and the story of Alexander the Great came up, which you're, you're pretty impressive when you're not even like 30 years old and they're calling you Alexander the Great. Conquered an amazing swath of land and all these things. And one, one night, he couldn't sleep. And they were, they, they were out, and, and so the, the army was all encamped, and they had guards all around, and 
the soldiers were sleeping and the watchmen were watching. And, and Alexander the Great couldn't sleep, so he got up. And he's just like, I'm just going to walk through the camp. And he walked through the camp, and he eventually got to the outskirts of the camp where the, where the sentries are. And as he got there, he found one of the guards who was supposed to be looking out for the soldiers as they slept. And he was sleeping. Alexander the Great wake, woke him up. And because he was furious. And just so you know, like one of the penalties for doing that was actually death. And Alexander woke him up and said, you know, and then the guy woke up with a start recognizing who was standing before him. And Alexander the Great looked at the man who had been sleeping and said, what's your name? And he said, Alexander, because it was his name too. Alexander the Great was taken aback. He says, what, what's your name? Alexander. Really? And... and your name is Alexander. And the guy's like, yes, my name is Alexander. And Alexander the Great looked at him and said, either change your name or change your conduct. I think many times we call ourselves followers of Jesus, yet we're not living like Jesus. And I think what Christ is calling us, because I believe that we live in a time where there is a desperate need for the God who made all this to bring hope, life, and salvation, to bring light to the darkness, to demonstrate a, a difference, a, a vibrancy. And he's calling his church. And I think sometimes we have to consider, do we change our name or do we change our conduct? Because if we're followers of Jesus, it's about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. See, Jesus challenges his followers to journey to the next level. And you and I, we need to learn to say yes to Jesus. We need to make him our first yes. Now, as we go through this, this 50 days, what, what we're going to do as a part of this is part of this is we want to challenge you to grow in your faith, to have a life that reflects the goodness of God to reflect his purpose. And, and I'm convinced that if, if you will begin to embrace the challenge, if you will allow faith to rise in your heart, this 50 days will be transformative for you as a person. It's going to begin to set some things in place that are going to set you up for things in the future that are just going to be amazing. And it's just because of the grace of God. And so we want to, we want to challenge everybody through the season. And so our first challenge is this. And this is the way I'll phrase it. How can we follow Jesus if we're not listening? Like, how do we follow Jesus if we don't know what he's asking? And so what our challenge is is simply this. It's about interacting with the Gospels on a daily basis for a minimum of 15 minutes for the next 40 days. Or 50 for those who like to. Listen, this will challenge and change you. It's about saying, you know what? It's about following Jesus, and I am going to make Jesus my first yes. It's going to require discipline. It'll be about making time and taking time. You're going to battle with yourself. I know whenever I do stuff like this, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this in the morning. And then I wake up some mornings, and it's changed to fall. And it's cold. How many know life is cold on the other side of the covers? And I don't know that I like that in the morning. Yet it requires discipline. And it requires stamina. Now, in, I, I want to challenge everybody on this one. And in order to do this challenge, you're going to need some tools. All right, you ready for the tools? Tool number one, you're going to need a Bible. Now, 
I know some people like digital Bibles, and we're actually going to put something up on the screen in the moment that will give you stuff so that you can use a digital Bible. I'm going to tell you, I'm still old school. When God put his word down, he put it down on paper. And there's something about interacting with the paper and the text. That's just me, right? And, and so if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. If you need recommendations, I can help you with it. Um, but you're also going to need a journal. Now, let me tell you a discipline that everybody needs to develop here. I will, I will do this. I see some, we got some people doing it, a bunch of people not. That's okay. You're still all loved. Y'all need a journal. Y'all need to be writing stuff down. This is a great message. Can I get an amen? That was weak. Come on. This is a great message. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you are above 50? Okay, good. I will just speak to them because I'm at 50. Good Lord, I am forgetting things. Can I get a witness? Okay, good. Just so you know, if you're below 50, you're forgetting things too. Can I get a witness? Yeah. And you know what? You need to write things down. Not all things. You need to write some things down. And so it's, it's about having a Bible, about having a journal, and having a pen or a writing tool. Now, as we do this challenge, there are four key steps, and we'll make sure that you get these. They'll come out in emails. It'll, we'll, just, we'll get everybody so you can get to four steps. Number one, this is, again, we're going to interact with the Gospels every day for at least 15 minutes. This is the challenge. You do this, it will begin to change you, especially if you do it this way. Number one, you have to get yourself ready to read. Okay? Everybody say ready. ready. All right. Even before a race, what do they say? Ready, set, go. Because if you try and go without getting ready, how many know sometimes you just don't start? So you got to get ready. I'm convinced that we need to be ready to encounter God's word. That means things like this. I think we need to find a chair. Let me tell you about the blessings of reading in bed. <laughs> I tell my wife all the time, honey, I'm just going to go upstairs and lie down and read. Okay? If we're going to interact with God's word, I, I think we need to be ready for it. I think we need to get ourselves in. We, we need to sit down, grab a cup of coffee. I'm all good with that. But you also have to work at minimizing distractions. Like, if you're going to be ready to read God's word, be ready. Like, minimize some distractions. I know that our phones, they begin distracting us all through the night. We get up in the morning, and how many wake up in the morning with notifications? doesn't matter if it's email, text, all these things. You're like, oh my goodness, the day has started, and I'm already behind, and look what I have to respond to. And we become driven by all these things. Leave that stuff aside. Minimize distraction. Present yourself before God with a simple prayer saying, Lord, I am here to hear from you. You are my Savior who's alive and you have spoken through your word. Open my heart to hear from you. Because when you ready yourself to hear from God's word, you will hear from God's word. Just so you know, this is not about checking boxes saying, I read X. This is about, this is about reading with reflection. So the first thing is we have to ready ourselves, then we have to read the passage. Now, on the app, the, they're going to put the, the code up, QR code. Got it, Logan? You're amazing. The QR code will send you to like our church, and in it you will find a Bible reading plan. Now, this is fun. You can do this in church right now. This is how we did our altar call in the Dryden service. Everybody took their phone out, was like this, walking to the wall, walking to the front. You know, like the altar call with phones up. It was awesome. But you can get your phone up right now and go to your camera mode and just shine it on the screen and it will give you a link and just go ahead and touch the link. You may have to expand your screen a little bit. But what that will do is that will put you uh, toward our page um, and then after that it'll show you what the, what the daily reading is for 40 days. Okay? Which is, and the goal is to read through the entire, all four Gospels in... Um, uh, in, in 40 days. And if you have questions, Pastor Dwayne will help you. What's so much fun is watching as people use their phones in the different way they use it. i got to stop. All right. But what you're going to do is, as you go there, you're going to find out that you're going to read two to three chapters a day. And so what you do is you sit down to read. 
and you're reading to listen. You're ready to learn. You're not just checking a box. You're reading to try and... You're focusing your mind, reading to understand. How many of you have problems with wandering minds? How many ADD moments? Come on. Okay, part of this stuff, because I have wandering mind moment all the time, and I get to preach. I'm over here. I'm over here. Listen, we have to learn to discipline our minds. Okay? And, 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 and we're, we'll, we'll keep working through all this stuff. We have to get past our excuses, and we just have to learn to say, okay, how can I begin to discipline myself because we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And so we have to say, okay, God, would you help me? And, and so we have to focus our mind and then begin to read with pen and pencil or pencil, whatever it is. And what that means is as you read the text, underline. Look for words, phrases. Look for verses that all of a sudden they, you're reading and it sort of jumps out of the page at you. Just underline that sucker. Like, wow, that's a really good idea. Like, read interactively. But not only that, step three, so we ready ourselves, we read, three, we reflect. That after we read through the chapters, what we do is we, instead of just trying to reflect on all of it, we just pick a little section and focus on that section and ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And what does God want me to learn from his, uh, from his word for my life? And this is where, as you read, you can just write down some, some notes in your journal, questions, ideas. Now, just so you know, you're not writing a book. My precious bride, she's amazing because she journals and she like, she's just like, she writes down her thoughts and she's like going like page after page. And I'm like, you are amazing. And if, if that's you, go ahead. What I do is I read, I focus down on something, and then I usually write two to three sentences. This is the idea that I'm getting out of this. Because if you don't focus your reading down to, to what is it that, that I'm learning, how are you ever going to apply it? And that leads us to the last part, which is, so we got ready, read, reflect, and lastly, resolve. And this is as we read God's word, we commit ourselves to God about how we're going to live as his follower in light of what we've read. It's about identifying your next step and making that prayer of commitment. See, I'm convinced that if we all do this, where we take 15 minutes at the start of our day, in the midst of our day, where we just say, okay, Lord, this is your time to speak to me. It's going to be less about who people say Jesus is to you, and it'll be more about who Jesus is to you as you discover him. Because that's what we need. Now, if you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. I know many times... We make resolutions. We make determinations to do things, and then we fail, maybe once, maybe twice, and then we say, well, it's just not for me. I give up. If you've had kids, you know this to be true. We don't give up on walking after we fall. Could you imagine what would happen if your kid gave up on walking if they just fell one or two or three times? How many know life would be a lot more burdensome? Instead, we have to develop the discipline of getting up. Hey, even as we do this, if, if you're like, oh, dude, I missed a day, that's okay. God's grace is here for us. Begin today. Begin today. Make today the time that you connect with God. We must learn to discipline. We must learn the discipline of getting back up. You see, Jesus is challenging us, his followers, to journey to the next level. If we're going to get there, we need to understand who Jesus is. Not just what other people say, but who we believe he is. We need to recognize that in getting to the next level, we are going to be stretched and challenged. He is going to call us to places that are less than comfortable and easy. And if your Christian faith is only easy, you're doing Christianity wrong. You're following Jesus poorly because Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Not only that, it requires us, it requires Jesus being our first yes. So it's time for us as a church, I believe, to arise to the challenge. It's going to require focus and courage and commitment. 
And I want to challenge you to not miss anything over the next 50 days. Can I just encourage you to come to church every Sunday for the next eight weeks without missing? Because we're going we're gonna to work through things and, and we're going to give God space to do something in us to touch us and change us and transform us. How are we going to meet the challenges? We're going to meet them with arms open wide. Because we have a God who wants to bring life. And I will say again, it doesn't matter where you're at in the journey. It doesn't matter if life's good, bad, or otherwise. There is a God who's come to redeem everything. And he's alive. And he wants to meet us. I want to invite the worship team to come. We're just going to sing this song as we close. But before we do, let us pray. Father, you are good to us. You are faithful. And Lord, here we are at the beginning of a challenge, a season of challenge. Lord, not because of mistakes that we've made, but because it's your spirit that's calling us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've come that we might have life and life to the full. And Father, we're asking that you, by your spirit, at work in us would enable us to arise to the challenge. Lord, we need your grace and we need your mercy. Lord, I pray that we would not just follow you in our words, but our lives would begin to reflect it. Lord, we want to believe you. We want to rest in you. We want to honor you. And so, Lord, here we are. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name.